Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the Step Back Podcast here on Fansided. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And all of the others. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. You can also follow Brady Hawk at Brady Hawk 305. No guests today. First episode of 2023. We're going to go around the NBA. We're going to look at 12 players, 12 star level players in the NBA on 12 different teams that have a competitive shot in the second half of the season. We're going to ask one simple question. What do they need to do? So we're going to handle this from a narrative perspective, but also from an on-the-court perspective in terms of uh, what they have to do to make their teammates better, what parts of their games they need to expand. In the case of some, it may just be staying healthy. But we're going to go around the NBA. We're going to start in the Eastern Conference. So we're going to start with the two teams atop the Eastern Conference. And let's go with the guy who I think at this point is being taken for granted just a little bit because it's sort of what happened with LeBron all those years where you just expect it at this stage but he's got the Milwaukee Bucks up near the top of the conference. He has expanded his game in a number of ways already over the past few years. He's already a champion. He's already been a multiple-time MVP. He could be an MVP again, but again, we sort of take him for granted at this stage. And it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. And let's start here from a narrative perspective, Brady, and then I want to get into the basketball with you. From a narrative perspective, for me, it's this. He has a chance in the second half of the season, and particularly into the playoffs, to firmly establish himself as the player of this era. And I I know that we can say that's sort of happened already, but as Shaq used to say when he quoted Aristotle, greatness is what you repeatedly do. Um, And LeBron did this time after time after time, got his team to the finals. Giannis didn't do that last season. Uh, Now, some of it was out of his control with, with Middleton being injured, but he's got Middleton back now. He's got Drew Holiday playing at a really high level this season. He should be an all-star the way he's playing on both ends. He has a better group of role players. He has Brooke Lopez healthy. Uh, to me, it's one simple thing. Giannis has to be the best player in the world. Like <laughs> I know that sounds easy, but, but that's where it's at for me. And from a narrative perspective, I think that's where everything follows here, where we talk about, yes, Jokic has won two MVPs. Yes, LeBron is still around. Yes, at some point, Steph is going to come back and Golden State's playing pretty well without him right now. Maybe ultimately they make a run. Yes, Embiid, uh, Tatum, these guys look like next kind of uh, in the pantheon, but it's still Giannis and it can be cemented as Giannis in the second half of the season. So let me ask you this. What does he need to do 
into the playoffs? Does the number one seed matter? And then what does he need to do with his game with this cast to get them past Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia? Maybe we'll see even the heat uh, in the East. Yeah, I think when we talk about all these players, I feel like health is one of the biggest things, not just for the player himself, but the players around him. Because you just mentioned the Chris Middleton factor. I think the Brook Lopez factor is massive because even when you get to the playoffs, uh, they can do different things defensively, whether it's less on Giannis' shoulders, uh, if you have him kind of protecting the rim in that way. So I guess on the court this year, I was looking at some of the numbers where uh, his shots less than 10 feet from the basket are up from 11 to 14. Like that is a really big deal in general. Like you're talking about a guy that is one of the best in the league in terms of getting to the rim and just efficiency. Uh, his efficiency is actually down in that region. He went down from 69% to 64%. So if you're talking about on the court, something that maybe you could see this year is maybe that efficiency rising. And part of that is not having Middleton. Like there's more on his plate. There's more uh, defenses are collapsing harder because they don't kind of rely or, or trust the shooters on this team. If Middleton's back and he's hitting, uh, you can't really do that as often. So I'll say in terms of on the court, uh, I'm kind of watching that region for Giannis. But it's still that even if that number stays the same, he's still so dominant that it doesn't matter. Even if he's shooting 64% less than 10 feet from the basket, it's still something. So it's basically, uh, and it sounds like a cop-out because I feel like we're going to say this for a lot of these guys, but it really comes down to the health of their team. Because as we saw last year, if that team's healthy, we could be having a totally different discussion about Jonas. Does You talk about the shooting uh, inside 10 feet. We also well, There's been a lot of conversation, obviously, about the shooting outside of 10 feet. Uh, the free throw shooting, too, uh, which has been something that's been a concern in the playoffs, it, again, feels like we're just at a stage with him where it's about tweaking. Um, it, it's it's about, uh, you know, stuff around the edges. I, I don't feel like certain leaps are ever going to come. Like, I don't know that Giannis is ever going to become an elite three-point shooter, right? Like, that's not what they're expecting of him. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be, again, consistently sort of hunting for mid-range shots. But he's gotten better enough in that area that I do think it opens up uh, everything else. And I, I do think that the key for them at this stage, I, we talk about Middleton, we talk about Brooke, we talk about, you know, Joe Eng- uh, Ingles. It, to me, it's Drew. I, it, it, at, at this stage, Drew has taken his game to such another level offensively this season, addition to everything we always know that he does defensively, that I do feel like Giannis can lean on him a little bit more in the postseason. And one thing that I, I think that everybody forgets about last postseason is that Middleton and, and Drew were coming off basically playing all year. They, they went straight from winning the championship to playing for the U.S. team. They never really got a break. We talked about that with the Heat and the Lakers the previous year, and I do think it affected them, and I think that affected Drew's effect, effectiveness uh, during the postseason. But for me, very simple. Giannis, to me, is the best player in the world. It's about reestablishing that year after year after year and getting to the finals. All right, let's get to perhaps their biggest competition in the Eastern Conference. Now, there are two guys we could go with here. And I do feel in some cases, Jalen Brown is more of a barometer for the Celtics. But Jason Tatum is still their best player. He still has some kind of weird nights, uh, you know, where he just doesn't shoot the ball well. We saw that in the second game against the Heat uh, after he was absolutely dominant. And then he comes back. Was it one night, two nights later, and he couldn't make anything. Uh, but there's no question his game has grown. It's grown defensively. Uh, he's grown as a playmaker, I think, more than anything else. And I feel like there is a, a contingent of the NBA media that is waiting to anoint him. Uh, maybe ahead of Giannis, ahead of Durant, it feels like, that everybody wants to push him ahead. I don't think he's there. But what does he – is it about getting to the finals again as their best player? And then on the court – 
what's necessary for him. Yeah, the funny thing you mentioned about him having kind of those down nights is like when you look at these other players we're talking about, like the Celtics can survive a Tatum off night in a lot of ways. Like when you look at these other players, like if we talk about an Embiid or even a Giannis or Durant, uh, those teams can't really survive them in a big game when they don't have it going. But it feels like the Celtics have found ways to kind of bypass that. Uh, but I think in terms of Tatum himself, I was looking at also some of his numbers. Uh, we've seen him kind of take advantage of, we talked about early in the season, how great the offense was and they were had more spacing and they kind of led, kind of leaned into the three-point shooting a lot more. Uh, we've seen him kind of like go away from more mid-range shots and take more threes where it's kind of, he's kind of taking advantage of that play style a little bit more. And obviously uh, if it wasn't for another player we're going to talk about later, but if it wasn't for Luca, this was a guy we were talking about <laughs> in the MVP conversation uh, at the top of it for a little while there. So uh, I just don't really know if it's on him as much. Like, I feel like when we talk about players needing to do something to make a playoff run with, a, it's just not the same level for him as compared to these other guys. And that may sound crazy because I feel like you need to have your best player playing at a very high level to make it to win a championship. Uh, as we talked about last season when Tatum was playing and heading into that, but this Celtics team is so, I guess, well-rounded right now that, and then you still have that second option in Jalen Brown where it's like, I don't know. I just don't really put him in the same conversation, I guess, as these other guys in terms of the reliance. But I still feel like he's still their best player. They still need him to be great. Uh, and he has been great this season. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned Jalen Brown and not having to rely on Tatum as much. The second best player on all these teams in the East that we're talking about are these six players in the East. So in Giannis's case, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna lean Drew. Durant's case, it's Kyrie when he's engaged. In Embiid's case, at least for now, it's still Harden. In Mitchell's case, I guess it's, I don't know, Garland, Mobley, pick, take your pick on the night. In Butler's case, it's out of bio. Who has the best sidekick of the six guys we're going to discuss? It's Durant. I, I think if they have Kyrie playing at this level, he, he's, he's been a first option before we've seen what he's able to do, I think. Uh, but a lot of these guys are close. That's what makes this intriguing because you throw out some of those guys, especially with the way Jalen Brown's playing right now. You see the way Bam's playing right now. But it's, it's Kyrie Irving. I think that's fair. But again, it's reliability with Kyrie. I, I think Jalen has made enough inroads here that you can make a case for him second, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about Bam a little bit later and, and, the, and the leap that he's taken. But as far as where Jalen Brown is right now, I, I just wonder when you look at these guys, like if Giannis has an off night, 
if Durant has an off night, okay, Kyrie, you go to him. If Embiid has an off night, I don't know that Harden can carry you offensively. If Mitchell has an off night, we've seen Garland do it, but a younger player, he did it in the play-in last year too. In Butler's case, it seems like Bam does it when Jimmy's not playing or when Jimmy's off. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know that you can rely on on Bam to carry you offensively yet. I don't think we're at that stage, although we're getting closer. So to me, it is Tatum who has the guy beyond uh, the net situation that you would go to. All right, so let's get to number three. Let's talk about the Nets now. Uh, Kevin Durant, just such weird narratives with him. Um, (laughs) You know, in some sense, he's been the best player of the world uh, at certain stages here over the past 10 years, and then others don't want to give him credit for any of the championships. And then, you know, the Brooklyn situation where he wants out, and now all of a sudden that team is rolling now that they do have those role players that we've talked about, we're like, if they could just get Durant and Kyrie playing at a high level together, they have everything else that they need this season. For me, Durant is the most interesting of the narratives here in the East because he can reshape everything. Because he was like, again, one inch, okay, you know, his foot being on the line away from taking the team to the finals a couple of years ago. But to carry a team that was in such disarray, and to do it with everybody with someone everybody knows at this stage is a head case in Kyrie. And to do it with a coach who wasn't their first choice as coach, although he, I think he probably should have been. Like, I feel like there's the most narrative growth for Kevin Durant here of any of these other players. Like, if, if they win a championship now with him leading, with after him, again, asking for a trade, coach gets fired, it changes. It basically is like, okay, KD was right, right? And then I think you start to look at the Golden State Championship a little differently. I think we always should have looked at it differently because I, 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 look, I didn't love him leaving for there, but uh, out of OKC and not finishing the job with OKC. But I don't know why we penalize players for being great. Like, okay, I mean, they still had to do it. They had to win a championship. They had to get through the Western Conference. I, I don't buy into this whole idea that uh, it's tainted in any way. For you, for Durant, what what is necessary as a player? First, I would say the funny thing you mentioned about narratives in the, in the Eastern Conference, they probably have two of the most narrative-driven guys. Like that, That's something that can happen that can kind of change a narrative for Kyrie Irving as well. But in terms of Durant himself, I guess this season, uh, to keep the, the theme here of, of looking at some of the same numbers, uh, Durant shooting 70% in that same region that we were talking about, less than 10 feet from the basket. Uh and the reason is simply we could talk about the role players playing well, and that kind of tends leans a little bit more to three point shooting. But when you have two absolute isolation creators that can just have the ball in their hands and just go off for 20 straight points at any given moment, uh, it just opens up driving lanes. Like, like Durant being able to just have these be a secondary creator for portions of the game where Kyrie's running pick and rolls, he's running isolations, and it's a kick out to Kevin Durant, it's a catch and it's a drive. Like that, it seems so simple for this team when they have it going. And right now, uh, what is it? Eleven games, winning streak in a row. Like, like they are just clicking offensively. They figured out things defensively, but they are just really kind of figuring out what they are offensively. So it's like, what do they need to do? It, it really comes down to sustainability. <laughs> like, not only in, in the team, and, and we've seen the Nets fall apart before, but as a basketball team, uh, in terms of on the court, it really comes down to sustaining this level of play. And honestly, I have trust in that. Like, I don't have trust in the first thing I mentioned, but in terms of the basketball part of it, like. These two players sustaining this level of play is not a crazy thing to ask. Uh, and the role players, like when we talk about kind of like Boston, there's a heavy reliance. Uh, this team doesn't rely on these role players to do too much. Like their role is pretty simple. Like it's catch and shoot threes. It's 
like a mid post insert here for TJ Warren, or it's like different things like that. They're not asking too much from the role players. It's just a lot on Kyrie and KD just to do what they do best. So I feel like the blueprint for them is pretty clear. Uh, it just really comes down to this team, I guess, seeing what they do sustainability wise. And like I said, Kevin Durant, like you mentioned, he can really change some narratives, but he can also change some basketball opinions as well in terms of on the court. Let's go to another team that's narrative driven. Sometimes it's about the coach. Sometimes it's about James Harden. Now, all of a sudden, there's this noise about Harden potentially wanting to go back to Houston. It's pretty clear that, I don't know, the Embiid-Harden relationship from everything I hear is not all that much better than the Embiid-Simmons relationship was. We know how that thing ended. But Joel is the one constant. Like when when he, you know, for all the criticisms of him and missing time early in his career, he's missed less time than their other core guys this year. He's obviously been in the scoring leaders the entire season. He's also kind of redefining, again, what you can do in the modern NBA because we got away from scoring centers and playing through the five. And he is by far, obviously, the best scoring five in the league, but it's not even close at this stage. I mean, Jokic scores, but that's not the primary part of his game. From a narrative perspective for me, for Embiid, it is it is cementing yourself as a top five player of this generation. I mean, I, I think he's already established as a top two center of the generation. He is, in a lot of ways, kind of the Olajuwon uh descendant uh, in terms of maybe some some play style, but in terms of overall dominance, when Joel decides to pick it up defensively in particular for you from a basketball perspective, you look at the pieces around him, Maxi, you know, obviously he's working his way back into shape right now. Harden has played better, seems to be in better shape, but that could go at any time. What is, what is Joel Embiid need to do from now until June? Well, Joel Embiid needs to just stay healthy. That's all that really is. And that can be, like I said earlier, it can be for a lot of guys. But I feel like what he needs more than anything uh, is more on James Hart. Like, I feel like in terms of what this team could do, we've seen in the past, we've seen specifically uh, watching what the Heat do in the postseason to Philly, where they kind of find counters to this team. Like, they they uh, kind of outcoach them in a lot of ways just because they'll throw to it Embiid and they make other guys like Tobias Harris beat you or these other guys beat you. If James Harden is applying constant pressure, like as a scorer that he's been this season, because he has been that, but will he do that in the postseason is the question. If he's applying that type of pressure as a scorer and he's able to get run up these assist numbers like he has been getting him to Embiid in the pocket, hitting these mid-range buckets, getting him on the roll, uh, that's the difference maker. That's what he needs. He needs James Harden to be playing at a consistent level uh, and he can't take these games where all of a sudden he's not aggressive or he's not scoring in this way. Like we saw that in the postseason before too. Like they really need uh, a high level James Harden, I guess, to make a postseason run. In my opinion, you know what you're getting at this stage from Embiid. Like we're watching what he's able to do. He is just scoring at will. <laughs> like from different spots of the floor, they're just getting him the ball and he's just able to score every time down basically. Like it's an easy blueprint for him. Uh, but in terms of sustainability heading into the postseason, I don't really worry as much about Embiid the basketball player as I do James Harden the basketball player. See, this is why, if I'm going to say the one thing that he needs to do better, it's lead. And I don't know if it's in him to do that. He tends to get frustrated with what his teammates are not doing, which has been understandable considering who his teammates have been over the past few years. And again, who his co-stars have been, whether it's been Simmons or, or it's been uh, Harden. But he needs to overcome that like that. That is because I don't feel like the other guys on this list have that to deal with. Like, I don't. I, well, Durant does for sure. OK, but again, he came in with Kyrie because he wanted to be play with Kyrie. I don't feel like Giannis has that with his group. I don't feel like Tatum has that with his group. 
Uh, we'll talk about Mitchell and Butler. I mean, you look at the West, the guys we're going to talk about uh, for me with Luca, it's just about talent around him. Uh, and, you know, and, and some of the other guys that we discussed, Ja, I think is a natural leader. LeBron, we know about the way that he leads some, some good, some bad. I, I, I just think for Embiid, it's that it's, it's not, there's really nothing else on the court. Like you said, that he has to prove it's off the court. It's kind of keep these guys in the locker room pointing in the right direction. Can keep the egos in check? I don't really know if it's in him, but that's a big part of winning a title. It, it is. And even if you have a group that can be fractured, again, we've seen that with LeBron having to play with Kyrie and some of the others that he's dealt with over the years. You've got to pull that thing together. All right, good timing on this one. Uh, 71 points for Donovan Mitchell in his last outing as we're speaking. I kind of feel like everything this year for Donovan Mitchell is gravy. Like I, I, I don't – there were some narratives in Utah that are interesting because – he played so well in the bubble, right? I mean, he had crazy numbers in the bubble. It was basically like him and Lillard, but they they lost. Uh, and, and and they always lose in Utah. But I feel like it got deflected onto Rudy for good reason, because Rudy Gobert wasn't playing in the fourth quarter. Now we see kind of how things are working out for Rudy in Minnesota and how they're working out for Mitchell in Cleveland. And I think it's pretty clear who the problem was. So I feel like Donovan Mitchell is going to get a bit of a pass this year in the playoffs because uh, his team is so young. Because he has had such a successful regular season. But again, this is a build in Cleveland. This is not this is not supposed to be a finished product this season. But I almost feel the way he's playing and how well he's playing is putting more pressure on him for the postseason. Because now it's going to be replicate this. And at the very least, I think their goal this year is, is not what it was in Utah when they were number one seed. But I think the goal in, in Cleveland has to be win around. Like it's it's not just make the playoffs, but it's establish yourself as a top four team in the East going forward and an attractive destination. What does he need to do, Donovan Mitchell? Honestly, I think he has to do a similar thing that he's done in past seasons. You bring up the bubble, but even the the season before the bubble when he was playing Houston, like he played at an extremely high level as a rookie. Uh, it really comes down to, and you bring up Utah, which I think is kind of the biggest point. The Cavaliers are the best defense in basketball right now. Uh, the difference is this is very similar structure to what we saw in Utah, but the difference is you mentioned Gobert getting played off the floor in that way. I think the biggest thing for Donovan Mitchell is just how this defense plays out into the postseason. Like if they sustain it to a similar level, not being the best defense, but let's say a top five, top seven defense heading into the postseason. Uh, I think there's enough trust that Mitchell could kind of carry his weight offensively. We've seen him do it in the playoffs. We've seen him do it in the regular season. Uh, we've seen him kind of figure out this, his way and on this team, even, games with or without Garland. I think they need a little bit more consistency uh, with that blueprint fully healthy, but it really comes down to the defense, in my opinion. Like if they can find a way to just like keep this up in general and find a way to find a base like this, even when they cut down the rotation, let's say to eight guys or nine guys there, I trust Donovan Mitchell to go get buckets offensively and kind of save the offense. And I think Garland running the show and be able to score and play make is enough. Uh, it's really funny how it's so similar to the Utah years. It just comes down to, Will will Cleveland fold in terms of game plan in the fourth quarter like Utah did? Will the defense fall apart in big games? That's kind of the question to become, I guess, for Donovan Mitchell. All right. And our one bonus in the Eastern Conference, after we go through the top five and we look for the guy who could have the biggest impact in the postseason, and we're going to go to a familiar face for us, somebody we talk about on the Five on the Floor podcast a lot, which is Jimmy Butler. And the Heat are playing a little better of late. Um, it looks like, again, they're gunning for possibly a five seed, possibly a six seed, stay out of the play-in. The one reason we're including Jimmy on this list is we've seen Jimmy do it in the playoffs. 
The question is getting there. Um, at this stage, he's played about 65% of the Heat's games this season. He's still trying to get cleared to play back-to-backs. They don't have back-to-backs in the playoffs. He's been dealing with a knee, but also uh, with a bit of a back injury and also with just some general maintenance from some wear downs. <laughs> I feel like we spend a lot of time on this on the other podcast. But I think with Jimmy, it's this. I think it's can Jimmy give up the reins enough and empower Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero, but still be the guy who settles the heat, gets them a bucket, gets them a big steal, makes a player a shot down the stretch, and can go toe-to-toe with the best player on the other team when they need it. Is that is that? I don't feel like the expectation level for him is the same as Giannis, Tatum, Durant, Embiid, Mitchell, but the capability is still there. I just don't know. And it's funny because we talk about how they, that they, he has less help, but I actually feel in some ways the more that he defers to the help in the postseason will be beneficial to him. Is that fair? Definitely. When you were going to ask what does Jimmy Butler need, I guess, in this 2023 calendar year, I was going to say his co-star is just getting him to a checkpoint because that's really all it comes down to. I think you mentioned before, uh, about seeing Jimmy have done this in the postseason before. We know what he can do uh, in general when he's put in these in circumstances, but it really comes down to the guys around him. They just need to be put in a kind of a positive position into the postseason and kind of down the stretch of the season because obviously they had a rough start. But it really comes down to specifically giving it to Bam because we've seen what he's been able to do, specifically over these last two games, 32 and 31 points uh, over these last two games in Utah and L.A., that's kind of the blueprint. It really comes down to kind of Bam and Tyler. Over the, they, the Heat are 8-3 and three over their last 11 games. In those 11 games, Hero and Bam are each averaging 24 points a game. Like, if if there was a blueprint to really go by, it's that. Because I just – Jimmy Butler is really one of those players, in my opinion, that can just – he has an on-off switch where there's enough trust that he can turn it on when he wants. Bam is not that guy. Like, he is not that guy that can just turn a switch on at any moment. He needs to be fully – uh just put into positions and keep it a rhythm. I think Tyler's that same realm. He needs to be put in a rhythm. Jimmy's at this point now where he can kind of turn it on when he wants late in the season, early in the postseason. I think there's enough trust there. So it really comes down to, I guess, uh, Bam and Tyler specifically, and I guess Depot to a certain extent. But right now, he's kind of the X factor. He's not in that realm, but he's playing at a high level right now. Bam and Tyler just getting them to a checkpoint before Jimmy, I guess, can take off in that realm. All right, we're going to go to the Western Conference now. we got six guys to go through, five and a bonus. The bonus was actually harder to come up with because there's three players who uh, have all been MVPs uh, that we need to get into, or at least, uh, well, they've all all three of them in finals MVPs, actually. But let's get to the other five guys. We'll go through these a little bit quicker, but let's start with Luca. Uh, At this stage, coaches like Greg Popovich are saying, we're going to try to hold him under 50, and they can't. I mean, what? (laughs) I, I mean, to me, what Luca needs to do is convince his owner to go get better players. I that, That's the biggest thing. That can't be done, I, I don't think, by this trade deadline, how they're constructed. I just don't think he has enough help. Um, from a basketball perspective, like, I don't know what else can be expected at this stage, right? Like, and, and so how are the narratives on Luca going to be defined? Because, I mean, it's just, is this going to be like early career LeBron? Like, that, okay, he's great, but his team's not helping him enough. Pretty much, because if you're asking me the question what he could do better <laughs> the rest of this year, I don't have an answer for that because you're watching this guy just consistently drop 50 and 60 over these last few games. It's like there's nothing more you could ask from him. He's sitting here doing all this stuff. It really comes down to help. There's nothing from a basketball perspective 
the only difference I was looking at some of the numbers is mid range pull-ups are for, went from 40% to 47%. Like in terms of what he's done differently, like that number is just propelling him in a different direction. We know what he can do. Uh, he's going to put up a lot of threes, even though he's not going to be super efficient on it. We know what he can do once he gets to the paint. Uh, but those mid range pull-ups when he's coming off a of picker roll, just open up everything else. But the question becomes, we've just seen so many teams do it where this is something we, and this is totally different context, but we talked about it so much on the five on the floor podcast with the heat with teams that were doubling Tyler. They were just going to take him out of the game plan. Uh, and he was just so inexperienced in that realm that he did not really have a counter. The difference is Doncic is not, obviously he's one of the best MVP candidates in the league right now, but they don't, he doesn't have a Jimmy Butler or Bam that they can just turn to. Like he's the guy. So when they're throwing two, three guys at him and he's kicking it to Reggie Bullock play after play, you cannot win, I guess, in the postseason when you're relying on Reggie Bullock corner threes every time down the floor. So it's just like, from a basketball perspective, it really does come down to health because you're watching a guy play at an extremely high level and all he needs is just some extra help, I guess, to just push him in a certain direction because, look, this Dallas Mavericks team is climbing the rankings. Like Even after having a little bit of a rough start, they're now fourth in the Western Conference, and uh, they're really making a run here with just Doncic alone. Get, if you get him a sidekick or just some extra help in general, they can make a run. I almost wonder if, if Brunson was still there, if you might even make them favorites in the Western Conference right now. All right, the second one on this, I think this guy needs to prove he belongs on this list, which is Devin Booker, because that team was supposed to go to the finals last year, and he was awful in a home game in a game seven deciding situation. And I know that the narrative is always about Chris Paul and what doesn't happen in the playoffs, but Chris Paul is not their best player. Now Devin Booker is their best player. So I, 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 that this is the simplest narrative to me is to prove you're one of these guys like that. Devin Booker has to have a great postseason this year. I mean, all the Kobe comparisons and all that stuff. Well, then you can't flame out around before you're supposed to, especially in a wide open West. So I'll ask you from a basketball perspective, what does Devin Booker need to do? Uh, play. <laughs> because if there's anything that's that's been shown over the last few weeks, it's that as much as you talk about Booker kind of proving himself in the postseason, uh, the games that he's missed has proved his his excellence in the regular season. Because this Suns team is lost without Devin Booker. I was looking at, they have 120 offensive rating when he's on the floor and a 108 when he's off. But this team is like, that number doesn't even basically explain what we've seen, I guess, recently. We watched what just happened yesterday afternoon against the Knicks where they just basically dominated that game. Uh, and it just looks like the Suns don't really have another option to score. Like, they just don't have that guy. And I guess Devin Booker is a big part of that. Like, he is their primary go-to scorer, one of the best scorers in this league. So I understand it from that perspective. But when you are when you have that big of a drop-off when your best player is out, like, that's kind of a problem. Like, when we're talking about a lot of these other guys, other than, I guess, the Doncic situation is similar. But we look at the guys we're talking about in the East, like a Tatum, a Giannis, and Embiid. When those guys drop out, they still can have some sort of offense going. Like, this Suns team uh, just needs to find that. And I guess from Devin Booker's perspective, it really does, I guess, to your point, come down to him showing up in the playoffs because they need him to. They really do because I just don't know if they have another option. If he's not playing at a high level, uh, I look at some of these other teams and these players we're going to talk about, and I just feel like they have more on their rosters as we as we speak than they do. Well, Nikola Jokic has more in his roster than he had last postseason. That's for sure. He's got Murray back. Uh, he's got Porter back. They have, uh, I think, a better supporting cast with KCP and with Bruce Brown than they've had before. They're a little bit more versatile. They can be better defensively. 
narrative for me with Jokic is also simple. He has to validate the MVPs. You know, it, it's one thing to win MVPs, but those MVPs are never going to, he'll be a Hall of Famer. The only guy who's an MVP who's not going to end up being a Hall of Famer is Derrick Rose. And that was kind of beyond uh, his control. That's an interesting stat, by the way. Every single other MVP has been an all Hall of Famer. Uh, Derrick Rose is going to be the one exception. Jokic is going to be a Hall of Famer, but it's going to feel a little Steve Nash empty uh, if he doesn't end up winning big. So I'll ask you this. Now that he has these other pieces around him, what exactly is stopping them? What does he need to do? I feel like this is a similar thing. Like, it's not really what he needs to do. I feel like it's more about the roster because they're the number one three-point shooting team in the league right now. They're at 40%. If they can sustain that, like, they have the game plan to make a complete run. Because we know, like, Jokic isn't one of those players that's going to fall off in the postseason. He's going to give you what he does no matter the circumstance. He's not like some of these other guys. Where it really comes down to if they're shooting, let's say, 38, 39, 40% from three, you're giving Jokic the supreme weapons to kind of utilize his own skill. Because we know he could put up points. But when he's able to kind of draw these doubles and make reads and make passes and skip passes over the top to these KCPs and these Jamal Murrays and uh, Aaron Gordon back cuts, like when he's able to get into that type of game plan, this offense is so hard to stop. And like I said before, uh, on on past podcasts, we were we were talking about how kind of generational the Celtics offense was at the beginning of the year, like how they're one of the best offenses ever, offenses ever. Denver's right there, like they are pretty much the same offensive rating as Boston. So they've been an elite offense. So if they can just sustain the shooting, that really is all it is because Jokic is going to make you pay if they're shooting well from three. So uh, it'll be interesting. It's just I feel like a lot of these ones where we're talking about players is not even player focused. It's more about what the guys around this player is doing because Jokic and Bede is one of them. Jokic is another one of them. And it's kind of, they're similar players in terms of two of the elite bigs, but you kind of know what you're going to get at this stage from these guys, no matter if it's playoffs or regular season. See, I think this next guy, it's more about him than the team. And I, I think it's about staying healthy more than anything else, but it's John Moran. Um, because we've seen that Memphis can win without him, but they're not winning anything big without him. And, you know, when they had Bain and Morant together, this looks like potentially the best team in the Western conference, especially with what Jason, uh, with what Jaron Jackson jr. Has been doing this year on both ends, uh, progressing as an offensive player and being a defensive player of the year candidate, their overall depth, that building is difficult to play in. Uh, they seem to have everything too, but I still feel like we're going to have sprained ankles. We're going to have bruised knees. We're going to have it just because of the way that Ja plays. Is there anything beyond just staying healthy that he needs to do? Because the league wants to put him in the top five. Like they are trying uh, to get him in that category. Uh, a long postseason run, you know, a finals, a finals run would certainly do that. So what does Ja need to do? It's tough because all of the, the stats that you look at really point to just health <laughs> because uh, you look at first and pick and roll ball handling possessions per game. You look at third and drives per game. Like this guy is really putting himself in position to like, he's just going at people at the rim. Like, like it's really tough to say that like this type of play style is not going to equal to a, a tough landing and a sprained ankle once in a while, like you just said, because he's just playing such a unique play style. The way he floats up at the rim, the way he is not afraid to just dunk over the top of you. Like uh, he just plays such a different type of game. And it's funny, we're going to talk about another guy I know uh, but from the same draft class, top two picks, it's it's weird how like Zion and Jar are two totally different body types and positions, but they're so similar to sense in that it's just the, the healthy perspective, the way they play is just so, I guess, important to what they do. So 
uh, I don't really know if it's anything Jock could do to progress this season differently. Like they're a two seed. Uh, they're like half a game out of first place in the Western Conference. They're playing at a high level. Uh, but like you said, I don't, I don't think it's as much as I, I said before about certain guys needing guys around them. This Memphis team is not winning without Jaw. They need his play style. They need what he provides. They need his rim pressure. Uh, and they need his edge. Like as much as you talk about narrative, like watching what they do against the Warriors and the kind of the, the edge they bring, they need that type of energy that and you said earlier about leadership. Jaw is a leader. <laughs> like he's the ideal leader. He has people that follow him as well. Uh, so it really does come down to, I guess, just staying healthy and, and not having that type of injury. Seems like a complete cop out here, but staying healthy is going to be number one for this guy. Also Zion Williamson, uh, the narrative for me first is just finish the season. Like that's, can he finish the season? But you're also seeing the numbers explode um, and you're seeing the team play well in that context. And they've done it. The Pelicans have even without Brandon Ingram out there. So I don't know what the expectations are. They're the weirdest team for me for expectations because I don't feel like we had any coming into the season but I feel like there will be some going into the playoffs if everybody is healthy. CJ McCollum may be their most consistent player. Ingram is going to be critical for them. But what does Zion need to do other than the one obvious thing? Yeah, it's, it's such a weird shot profile in general when you look at the fact that Zion averages 16 field goal attempts a game and 15 of those are, are less than 10 feet from the basket. Like, if you were looking on paper, you'd say it's the easiest guy to scheme out of a, of a game plan offensively. A guy that's literally only takes shots below the rim. Uh, it's like the center type of shot profile, but it's the way he does it. He's not just sitting there under the rim getting putbacks and stuff. He's applying rim pressure off attacks from the three-point line. Uh, he's getting mid-post kind of ins- inserts. Like He's doing so many different things in that way. Uh, but in terms of what Zion can do, I feel like one of the biggest difference makers in – uh, for this team and in his game is the, the passing. Like the fact that we know at this stage now, Zion, when he's attacking left, there's going to be multiple help defenders being thrown at him on that bottom box. The difference is a lot of the time he's making skip passes. He's making these different feeds where he's averaging five assists per game uh, that coming down to the, to, to the playoffs. And like you said, staying healthy, not only him, but this team with Ingram and everybody, if they have those type three type of options, but you're also having, three guys that can make those type of passes while three guys that are all capable of drawing two. Like they literally have three guys that can draw two defenders at any moment while also being able to make that pass. Uh, That's really what it comes down to for me, I guess, from a basketball perspective. I'm going to save the hardest one uh, for last year because we couldn't really pick a wild card. So I'm going to make you choose the wild card as we close in the Western conference. Cause there are three guys with huge names who've all won finals MVPs. All right. Which of these three is the potential biggest wild card in the West playoffs? Is it LeBron James? Is it Steph Curry? Or is it Kawhi Leonard? When you say wild card, I mean, like Steph Curry is the easy answer because I feel like they have the the easiest chance, I guess, to make a run. But in terms of wild card, I feel like it's Kawhi Leonard, to be honest, because I feel like he could propel them. If he was a wild card, a legit wild card where he stays, well, let me say the word again, stays healthy. Uh, and makes it kind of it's able to be that type of two way elite player. We saw the Clippers last night; like they have a deep team, but I don't know what if they rely on certain guys to a certain extent. Like it doesn't feel like there's full on trust from every role player on that roster. Like it's kind of like pick your poison a lot of nights. Uh, so I, I guess in terms of true wild cards, it's Kawhi. But in terms of trusting 
those three wild cards, I feel like he's last. So that's why it's a weird dynamic because I don't know if I trust him more than either one of the other two. Uh, but it's just, it's tough for me to throw LeBron in that mix because I just, I can't see the Lakers doing anything as high of a level he's playing at. Like he just cannot be thrown to this mix right now, even, even with what we're seeing. So uh, I'll say Kawhi is the biggest wild card, but in terms of, of playoff being relevant, it, it's Steph Curry. Yeah. I think it's Steph. Also, uh, we talk about Kawhi. I, I, I just don't know that he's going to get to that level consistently. I believe when Steph comes back, he goes right back to where he was. That team all of a sudden becomes a factor and they're finding ways to play without him which is not something we thought they could do. To me, LeBron would be the biggest wild card if he could be traded by the deadline, but they can't. <laughs> so if he could force his way out, that would change a whole bunch of things. But I don't think that's going to happen. All right, make sure you check out the Step Back on Twitter. That's the underscore step underscore back. Check out all the other content on Fan Sided. So we went through Giannis, Tatum, Durant, Embiid, Mitchell, Butler, Luka, uh, Booker, Jokic, Zion, Ja, and some combination of LeBron Curry and Kawhi, so something for just about everybody here on the podcast. We'll be back next week. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.